Entrepreneurs Will Save the World. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review of our show. Subscribe on YouTube. Most importantly, help us spread the word about the great stories being shared on our show. My guest today is Scott Smith. Scott has a program to guide people through publishing a book, online course, and webinar in 12 weeks or less. It follows the format of his book, Influence, Creation of Credibility. Scott Smith and I have a wonderful conversation about the power of media and marketing to propel your message. Scott goes live on multiple platforms to promote his message and continues to use podcasts and livecasts to help others grow. He is an expert in creating authority and community. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining me. I'm just uh, excited to, to have this conversation and excited. You and I are, are having multiple conversations and multiple uh, opportunities with multiple uh, parties involved. And so this is this has just been an interesting uh, time of getting to know you and your associates and, and working together and collaborating. And I just appreciate um, you coming on the show today. Well, Robert, what an honor. What a privilege. I, uh, as I, as I mentioned before, I was listening to, uh, one of the, uh, podcast editions where, uh, it was, uh, Avital Miller and, uh, it's just so much fun, uh, to listen to her story and the way you interact with her. And so I, I was just excited for the opportunity to be here and, uh, share some life stories with you. And, and I know this podcast is all about taking action and we'll definitely get to, uh, some opportunities there. Nice. Well, and I know that you shared a stage with her in uh, prior prior times, and so that's pretty exciting to have interviewed somebody on my podcast that you've been on stage with. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Typically, I just let everybody start out sharing their own entrepreneurial journey and and when that started and and what's led them to the work that they're doing now. I love it. Yeah, it was uh, for me. It, it's always been business. I knew ever since I was in sixth grade that I was going to go into business because I figured everything needed to be run, <laughs> whether it was a, a Fortune 100 or a local nonprofit or a mom and pop grocery store. And I always had a dream of owning my own business. But the world that I grew up in, the education system was all geared to create me to be a very good employee from grade school through high school and into college is like, when you go to work for a company, this is what they're going to be looking for. And I got nothing against the corporate world. I mean, I, I can tell you that I learned a ton and they put a huge amount of trust in me and gave me great training, but it did gear me up to be uh, my own boss working for myself. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's true about school. It, uh, it's pretty much an industrial model and, and setting us up to be industrious employees. Yeah, it's kind of a leg, you know, it's a legacy, right? From the British Empire, uh, where everyone needed to have the basic same skills, be able to communicate whether they were in London or India or Hong Kong or wherever they were, they needed to be able to communicate. So we have 
some legacy on the system there. But about 10 years ago, I escaped that system. It was uh, by accident. I had been, um, uh, I, I was in the corporate world and uh, left there, got involved in some turnarounds for some small business, able to take the education experience I had and uh, turn around a couple of businesses. And I had just finished up working as an interim general manager for an upholstered furniture company. Uh, basically, we made sofas for Ikea. My job was to get them geared up to uh, be run by, managed by Ikea. So I left there looking for my next gig. A friend of mine was on the board with a radio station. She said, Scott, uh, I know you have some skill in social media. And the general manager, I just came out of the board meeting. He needs help. And so we met. He hired me as a contractor. Within a month, uh, I had three companies that were paying me uh, to do digital marketing for them. And I came home and told my wife, I go, I guess it's a business now. <laughs> nice. Most people most people are start doing it for free and, and don't get paid. And then they have to say, oh, wait, this is going to be a business now. You need to pay me. So it sounds like you started off on the right foot. Yeah, I was fortunate in in that respect, and uh, but I also looked at it and said, you know, I don't really want to be doing doing social media management, and so I did. I, I actually treated myself, if you will, and I looked and said, okay, where what are you doing now? Where do you want to be, and how are you going to get there? Oh, so and good. I and and like yourself, it was really around coaching and consulting. So my plan was do social media management, then get involved more in the digital marketing. So running Google ads, Facebook, YouTube, um, Snapchat, whatever worked for the business doing digital ads, and then more into the consulting and coaching side. And that's where that's really where I'm at now is I'm, I'm making that, uh, I'm at that inflection point where I have one legacy social media client, a handful of digital marketing clients, but then uh, really focusing in on coaching and consulting. Nice. All right. So what was the biggest challenge of striking out on your own? You know, I <laughs> often talk about when you jump into being a solo entrepreneur, and that's my heart is with the solo entrepreneur, freelance professional, or that small business that has, say, 20 or fewer employees. When you run a business like that, you're the C everything, right? You're the chief <laughs> executive officer. You're the chief financial officer, the chief marketing officer. Uh, you get to do it all. I said one time, yeah, I said, you know, you're the C everything. And a friend of mine thought I meant S-E-E. -E. And I said, you know, actually that works because uh, you do see everything. When you're, when I was in the corporate world, uh, there it's compartmentalized. If you're the salesperson, that's all you're responsible for. You don't have to develop the product. You don't have to service the product. You don't have to make sure that someone gets paid for doing that or pays you for that. But when you have your own business, you have to do all of that. You have to create the product. You have to deliver the product, market it and uh, account for it. So just you need to have a broad skill base or be very good at outsourcing and leveraging people who know what they're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it really is like CEO, right? Chief everything officer. And that and that includes taking out the trash. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a that's yeah, I like that. Chief everything officer. That is 
Perfect. That's tweetable right there. Yeah, for exactly. <laughs> Tell Elon now that he can he can he can <laughs> put it on his new Twitter feed. <laughs> um, so let's talk about uh, connections. Obviously, you you shifted through a radio station and a, a, you know attracted some clients. But what what is the value of of making connections and and building a business through through connection? Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I focus on is um, is networking. So I do have uh, two books out there on Amazon: Motivational Listener, Be Successful, or Be Interesting by Being Interested, which focuses on business networking events, and then relationships, grow your business, which is a, a format and a, a method to uh, business networking. And the first thing that I tell people, because of course we just have come off two years where we can't get together face-to-face -face and people said, oh, I can't network. Well, we think that networking is going to events, but it's not. That's just one very small component. What I tell people is, uh, I guarantee you that, Robert, you absolutely have a fabulous network right now filled with remarkable people who want you to succeed. They just need to know what problem you solve and who your ideal customer is. Mm. And in your existing network, there is probably more business than you can handle right now. And I'm talking about solo entrepreneurs, freelance professionals, small businesses where you have a you have a capacity issue, right? If you sell an online course, then millions of people can take it and you don't care. But when you uh, have groups or you're working individually, uh, CPAs, great example, right? There, there's only so many tax account, tax clients you can take. And so what I say, I guarantee you, there is more business in your existing network than you can handle. Hmm. Absolutely. And and sometimes we need that reminder to go out there and, and communicate with our existing network. Well, and, and, and that's exactly it. And that's why uh, I broke down the structure. And so just briefly, you have your extended network. The average person has uh, like 1,500 people on LinkedIn. But Robin Dunbar, the English sociologist, says uh, we can manage about 150 relationships. So if you go through all of your contacts on LinkedIn, and identify the people that you would do business with, either send referrals or get referrals from, it's gonna come down to about 100 to 120. And so that's the group that you need to focus on within your existing network. And then there's five roles within that network. You got mentors and advisors, people that you turn to for advice, mentees, because everyone should be giving back, customers, obviously part of your existing network, uh, advocates. These are the people who will actively promote you and say, oh, you have a problem. I, you, let me introduce you to Robert, right? They're promoting you. And then you, uh, the largest part of your network, two thirds of your network are going to be partners. And partners are people who solve a problem that you don't solve, but allow you to add value to your network. Someone says, hey, Scott, I, I need a new website built. I don't do websites, but who do you know? Yes, I can refer you. So they know. I'll go to Scott because, man, he knows the graphic designer. He knows the web developer. He knows the the uh, podcaster. I add value to my network. And so that, that's, the, that's the role. And you have that in your existing network. You just have to identify it. And then uh, experts say, 
you need to contact three to five people every day in your network. Who do you contact? I'll tell you right there, that 120. I call that your active network. Nice. I like it. Once you've identified those roles, then then you know how to how to approach those people, right? Because you don't want to ask the, the the mentors to buy your stuff. Because that's exactly it. Because um, for those people like me that have been in BNI uh, Business Network International, great organization, uh, they'll tell you if you go and and you join a chapter, you'll have thirty people out there selling for you. Well, that's not really true. You you probably have like three to six people that are actively sending referrals for you. But the rest of them are your partners. They let you add value so you can refer to them. And uh, and so it, it, it does fractal down, if you will, uh, in whatever group that you're in. So if you're involved in the chamber, you're involved in BNI, you're just looking at your LinkedIn network, you're going to have that roughly 100 to 120 people that are in your active network. And and when you identify what their role is, then you can have the right expectations of them. I don't expect my plumber to send referrals to me for business, but that uh, that plumber, Jeff, he fills a great role in in my network. Absolutely, and and it's just recognizing who who those are and and how they can serve you, right? So that you ask them the right questions. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a. There's actually a schedule. So in Relationships Grow Your Business, there's actually a schedule that says, okay, so your mentors and advisors, your mentees, customers, likely there's already an established schedule that you meet with them. Um, But your uh, advocates, those are the people you should be talking to every month. You identify them every month because they need to know what problem you solve and who your ideal customer is. Uh, Your partners, the people who solve problems that you don't solve, you can meet with them once or twice a year. You just need to know, are they still taking customers? Is their contact information? Have they added new products? Just to be aware of that. Nice. Well, and that's the place, like you said, that's where you can add value, right? That's where, where mm. you're serving them. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really the the pay it forward space. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't hurt you at all to be the, the go-to person. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> In fact, I think that's a, a great place to be is, is to be known as the connector, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the putting the right people together in the right combinations um, that benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are fun. Those are the fun connections to start making. Um, and that's really what you're saying is, is paying attention, right? Paying attention to the right how, what relationship are you in with this person and and how can you honor that relationship you mm. know by sharing a referral or by sharing you know advice and help or by sharing not everybody needs your help <laughs> or your service <laughs> that's right and, and early on of course you know we have that that whole idea like I'll serve anybody with a with a credit card <laughs> <laughs> yeah just, just buy from me and and if you go to a networking event with that kind of attitude, right, you just you just mm-hmm. have that you just come across wrong. Right? Well, and this where this is where when you have that that view of the structure of your network, this is where going to networking events is a lot less stressful mm. because you're not going there uh, 
you know, a hunting expedition where every person you talked to was a potential target, right? I mean, that's just creepy, right? <laughs> but if you go there and, and you meet with somebody and they go, you know, everyone's kind of standoffish because they don't want to be sold, right? I mean, we like buying, but we don't like being sold to. Right. So uh, you, you go and you, you meet somebody and you shake hands and you start to get to know with them, know them. And, uh, and they're wondering, is this, when is the sales pitch going to come? And when you say, look, I'm just adding people to my extended network because I don't know where our relationship's going to go. I said, you might be someone that I refer to in the future. You might know people that I could serve and you get to be the hero by making that connection. I, I don't know where it's going to go. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and it doesn't have, yeah, these are, these are not meetings where, where deals go down. <laughs> Right. Typically. And, yeah. and if you go in there with that expectation of closing something, mm -hmm. you're not going to open anything. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I think about the old days, the, one of the very first events I went to and one of the people is just whipping through the room, exchanging business cards. You have a business card. You have a business card. What just mm -hmm. happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. And uh, that, that reminds me a little bit. The digital version, I think, is the LinkedIn. You get the. The little note says, "Hey, I see we have twelve, you know, contacts <laughs> in common, and I'd like to add you to my network." And as soon as you hit that accept button, boom! In comes the message and says, "Oh, your product is our product is perfect for you, and and uh, we'll solve all your problems, and your business will grow ten times, and your wife will love you, and your kids will be your favorite." And like, <laughs> I don't even know who you are. Yes, you know it's it's funny because I I go by my middle name, but I use the first initial D. Then I have an unusual title, motivational listener, and so you can tell when it comes in. I get that message on LinkedIn and it says, "Hello, D period comma." I'm always interested in adding more motivational listeners to my network, and I'm like, really? I got how many motivational listeners? do you have in your network? Because I'm the only one and I am the world's, and because of that, I am the world's foremost authority on being a motivational listener. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my, one of my previous guests calls himself the world's best courage coach, but not out of an ego thing out of a, you know, a decision-making, how would the world's best decision coach do this? How would the world's best courage coach make this decision or do this? And so, love that 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 idea of you know mm -hmm. i'm the foremost authority and yeah. and using it as a, a driving force as a as part of your identity not not necessarily your ego yep you know i created a i created a landing page just for those people that that uh, turn and give you that immediate sale oh. so i created a landing page with this a series of different uh, is, there's a little video with an introduction that i give and then it's all the different things that i'm involved in and it's the get to know Scott page. And so you get that, hey, I see we have three contacts uh, or whatever, as you said. And uh, so it's like, I'm an open networker. So unless they seem dangerous, I'll, I'll, I'll accept. And then immediately they're like, uh, are you getting enough clients? We have, uh, we have this system and we've got, you know, you'll get 10, you've heard $10,000 months. We'll give you $10,000 days. And I go, oh, uh, well, I'll tell you what. If you're interested in uh, my projects and businesses, here's a link. You can go see 
you tell me what you think might work. And then, I, you know, of course, you don't hear from them unless it's the automated. That's like, excellent. Let's schedule an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> That's really bad. Yeah. Man. Like, oh, oh. Well, Man. that kind of leads me to uh, to this next I idea of, of integrity and character or, or authenticity. Obviously, mm -hmm. that even, you know, in-person networking, um, even online, especially online, maybe it, that you, you feel like that, you know, you've got to be Tony Robbins or you've got to be um, Dean Graziosi if you're in real estate or you've got to be, you know, this, this other personality to, uh, to, to get sales. And, and there's this, I don't know, for me, it's, you know, character, it's a, it's a character authenticity that's necessary. Um, what are your thoughts? So back in 2015 and 2016, there was a, a short-lived uh, video platform called Blab, blab.io. <laughs> and it was uh, kind of similar to like the like Zoom meetings, but it was kind of open. It was kind of like a video Twitter, if you will. And so you could do these video conferences with people, and it was open. Just put a topic out there. So I met, I loved it because it was a great networking time. I met a lot of fabulous people. Well, uh, a couple years later, two or three years later, I'm down in San Diego, social media marketing world, meet face to face with one of the people that I had only connected with through Blab and then through um, like Twitter and so forth. Wow. And she says, you know, you are the same in person as you are online. And I thought that I, I couldn't take a better compliment for, uh, for, uh, be, just being who I am and connecting with people. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I'm just not sure why we get this idea that that you come across stronger in sales or you come across stronger as an authority if you act like someone else. Yeah, it's really um, sad. I mean, it's just sad, right? I mean, um, we should have all learned from Dr. Seuss, right? <laughs> You're the best you, right? That's right? There, there is no other. There is no other. This is be you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and I guess I don't know where you quit being good enough, right? And as a coach, a big part of of the work I do with people is helping them believe in themselves and and believe in the value that they bring to the market, and and a lot of that is is self worth, <laughs> you know, absolutely in their pricing and in their you know, even their idea of getting on a screen and, and doing a Zoom call for a lot of folks, that's a that's a burden and it's really a self-image issue. Yeah, and this really goes back to, I think it's 2011 and I wrote a blog post and it really is what led up to this title of motivational listener, which by the way, my wife created that title. Nice. Uh, somebody asked her one day, Christine, what, what do you do? And she looked and thought and said very accurately, I'm a motivational listener. Mm. And I said, Christine, I love that. I will always give you full credit like I'm doing right now because I'm a very good husband. Uh, I said, but I'm stealing that. That's right. And it's so <laughs> but back in, back in 2011, though, I had made a commitment uh, to remind people that how remarkable they are. And the brain science around that is this that when we learn stuff, we operate in our short-term memory, prefrontal cortex, and uh, it takes a lot of energy. When we repeat tasks, 
they move into the basal ganglia. We move, we get new wiring in our brain, literally hardwire that into our brain, which is really good in some respects. So when you're learning to drive the first time, man, it's high, high attention. You can't think about anything else. You're just focusing on driving. But after years, it's hardwired. You hop in the car, you put the key in, you don't need to think, do I turn it left or right to start the car? Man, you hop in, go, you get from here to there, and then you go, you know, there's a four-way stop between here. I'm pretty sure I stopped, but I don't remember because it's hardwired, right? Well, that's good in some cases, but uh, if you're, uh, so um, when somebody has an expertise, it's hardwired into their brain and someone asks them a question. So like my friend, the plumber, you know, if I ask him a plumbing question, he doesn't need to Google it up or go to his <laughs> reference books. I mean, he literally just breathes this stuff out because for 30 years, he's been doing plumbing work. So I ask him, should I do this or should I do that? And he's just like, breathe this out as if it's common knowledge from his point of view. Doesn't everyone know this? Right. But he wasn't born knowing everything about plumbing. It was, I mean, he went to school, he was an apprentice, he's taking classes, it's trial and error. And he has put so much energy into it, right? That he forgets that not everybody knows this. And it's it's true with, with everyone that's an expert. It's hardwired into us, but you weren't born knowing it. And so we need to remind people that the knowledge that they have was hard-earned and is extremely valuable. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and, and the piece that works against us sometimes is some of those statements that a, a parent made or a teacher made or, you know, that planted a limiting belief that, that we repeated to ourselves enough times mm -hmm. that it, mm -hmm. it's hardwired as well. And those are the hard wires that we have to recognize, ooh, that's not who I really want to be. And and the great thing is our brain is powerful enough to be rewired if mm -hmm. if we take the time and energy to to you know, raise our awareness, reprogram it through repetition. Repetition is the only way to program the subconscious mind, either re repeating story, repeating thoughts, or repeating action. Um, and 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 few i think that's that's where people get stuck and and they don't they they might even have some awareness of it but they don't take the time to to let the reprogramming happen right we live in this microwave culture now we want to just take a pill or pop it in the microwave for 30 seconds and and have a result and, and the truth is this takes repetition it 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 really is a habit of thought it's a habit of action and the habit of thought or habit of action can reprogram that. Like, like you talked about learning how to shift, right? If you, if you've learned how to shift a car, that becomes so natural, but for somebody that's never done that, you can still learn that at any age, mm -hmm. but those first couple of times aren't going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a little embarrassing, but uh, you'll get over it. As long as you have an interest in, in that success. Absolutely. So you mentioned uh, the five roles. You, one of those roles you mentioned um, mentors. 
What, what mm -hmm. have mentors meant to your growth and, and how would you recommend entrepreneurs find the mentor that would serve them or help them? Yeah, one of the things that I, I really recommend is being a part of a mastermind organization. And, uh, and, and, and I'll tell you, it should probably be a paid mastermind group. Uh, when you have skin in the game, it makes a difference. And um, so I've been, uh, for three years, I've been a part of the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, which is run by Aaron Walker out of Hendersonville, uh, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. And the, the, that, that organization and the guys in my group, uh, it, it's hard to describe to somebody that's not been a part of this what it means. Because we're not just focusing on business. Yeah, business is a part of it. We're not just focusing on uh, relationships. or It's all, there's, there's really like five different areas in your life. So you've got your, you've got your professional, personal, relational, a spiritual, and financial. And if you look at all five of those and you focus on them and you, and you surround yourself with people who will not let you fail, then you have an opportunity to succeed and you can overcome those limiting thoughts, those limiting barriers, because you need somebody from the outside to look in. The pastor at our church uh, recently shared some research that said most people, when asked to name a close friend, have a hard time naming one or more. And yet... Wow. Uh, 20, 30 years ago, it was about five. People could name like five people who were close friends. Hmm. So isolation is a huge issue right now. And I will just tell you that you need to be, if you are interested in developing yourself and, and not from a, a selfish point of view, because of uh, there is value that you have to offer. You have been given potential. Don't limit it. You need, we, we were designed and created to be connected with other people. And so uh, get involved in a mastermind group or organization. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com that's empower number two dream.com if you enjoy the show please like and subscribe leave a review tell your friends welcome back let's get back to more greatness that there's a power right the i mean napoleon hill talked about the power of the mastermind and and he talked about basically the brains being interconnected right their energy the their yes. spirit is is creates this interconnectedness mm -hmm. um and and modern research now is confirming these things that Napoleon Hill taught about 150 years ago. <laughs> That's right. And it's incredible to see yeah. the, the real scientific power of how the brain actually communicates, you know, when two people are in a room and how um, those signals and ideas and, and of course, tapping into infinite intelligence, right? And when a mastermind group is committed to the same cause and the same purpose and they're connected to God, mm -hmm. it, they great things happen yeah yeah it, absolutely miracles, right miracles by definition <laughs> happen because 
Yes. That's what we were created for. And and so so few people experience that. To me, yeah. that's like heartbreaking. I when I read Napoleon Hill, <laughs> probably the third or fourth time, I realized mm -hmm. he believes everybody will do this and know it in like 10 or 20 years. Yeah. Like you, you can read between the lines in there, and Napoleon Hill is basically saying, you know, some of these opportunities are gonna go away quick. You guys need to get on this but everybody's going to know all this stuff pretty soon and it'll just be common knowledge, right? That, that you were talking about that expertise, right? Napoleon Hill had that expertise and he assumed it was mm -hmm. going to be common knowledge for everybody really soon. And, and, and yeah, millions of people have read that book. Yeah. Think, and think and grow rich, right? Yeah. And they uh, haven't taken the action. They have the other one that I recommend action. is um tribe of millionaires. Ooh. And, um, and uh, that's a great book or get it in the audio version. And, and I'll just say it, it's not a materialistic book. The title was designed to attract people, tribe of millionaires, but uh, the, the, the processes in there really, again, fit all five of those uh, areas that I mentioned that we need to focus in and develop in our life. Like it. Yeah. It, and it, it's not materialistic. In fact, you and I started this conversation talking about relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the relationship value is the is the biggest and most important one. If you get relationships right and you do business relationally correctly, all of those other things follow. Mm -hmm. All of those other things follow. The professional life, the, the personal life, your relational life, your spiritual life, and then your financial life. Mm -hmm. And those are all the elements of of abundance, but they start with human relationships. And of course, I, I'm a firm believer in, in God and, and mm -hmm. Christ's two instructions were pretty clear. Love Lord, your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are two relational instructions that, that were pretty, he pretty much said that this is it. If you do <laughs> That's a pretty good things, formula right there. You lose two things, <laughs> but people miss the last part of it. That's, you know, love your neighbor as mm -hmm. yourself. And so the, the third piece in that relational piece is loving yourself enough to love your neighbor, to love God. Mm -hmm. But man, if you get those three things right, miracles. Yeah. Miracles and you happen. get in a mastermind where you're, you're connected with other people. As I say, there's no limit to what you can accomplish when we network the supercomputers between our ears. Oh, so good. <laughs> Yeah, so good. So now let's <laughs> let's talk about finding that mentor. You mentioned paid mastermind. Uh, what other ways uh, can a, an entrepreneur find a, a mentor, even if they wanted somebody one on one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in and that's area. Uh, yeah, always look for people that are where you want to be or beyond, right? And as as I mentioned, a part of your network should be mentees, and so those successful people will be looking for ways that they can pass that on. And again, just ask. If you don't ask, uh, you can't you you can't win. So when I was in a in corporate world, there was a, a senior executive and I had an opportunity to interact with him. And so at one point I asked him, Sam, would you be willing to mentor me? And he said, yes. <laughs> that's the worst that could happen. The worst thing that could happen is, is that he said, yes. I mean, if he said, no, there's no action on my part. As soon as he said, yes, then I'm meeting with him. I'm, I'm 
uh, I'm walking out of the meeting with a stack of books and he goes, I want you to read these, you know, by next week, by next week, <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we're going to talk about. So, oh, so uh, just ask, right. Find those people. And now people are used to digital meeting. So you don't have to be face to face. You can get on and do uh, a weekly 30 minute with uh, someone. And uh, also, as I mentioned, you should have your own mentees. Uh, part of the benefit is the student always learns more than the teacher. Yeah. So when you're teaching somebody, <laughs> you have to take what you know, uh, translate that message, transmit it, and ensure that they receive it. So you're going you're gonna to have to formulate it and understand it yourself. So everyone wins. Nice. So good. All right. So obviously you're talking about um, giving back. Um, how much has contribution been a part of your entrepreneurial journey, your your personal development? Uh, yeah, it's it's um, one of the things that that I was fortunate to be a part of was Young Entrepreneurs Business Week. So think of business camp for high school students. Mm. And so for six years, I was involved with them until COVID uh, took that program out. It was it was a, a casualty of COVID because we would meet face to face on campus for a week. And for advisors like myself, it was a serious commitment because it was Saturday to Saturday. So you're wow. talking an eight day commitment all day. We slept on some very durable mattresses in the dorms, right? Wow. <laughs> uh, so we would go to the college campus, the students would come and basically we would take them through, uh, they would have an idea, a business idea, and they would write a business plan that week. They'd choose a CEO, CFO, and so forth. And then they would research it, come up with a solution, how they'd market it, how they'd sell it, how they'd uh, manufacture it, and so forth. And then they would pitch it at the end of the week to actual angel and uh, venture capital investors. Um, not to get money, but to get the feedback. And it's a competition. And when you are spending that much time with students and these are anywhere from just entering a freshman in high school to just graduated from high school that's a pretty broad range but what happens is um, when we think about the future every generation looks down on the generation behind mm -hmm. them and uh, we think of our future as some sort of combination between hell and a handbasket. <laughs> but when yeah. you spend time with students like that, uh, you leave inspired and going, you know what? Our future is secure. Love it. I love that that that, that was an opportunity. I hope there's a way that, that that can come back soon. Yeah, there's people working on it. So yeah. uh, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned being inspired. What what else inspires you? Well, you know, it's funny. We were just we were just talking about uh, the spiritual side, and there there's a time I was uh, gonna be teaching a, a substitute teaching in the high school class at church Sunday school. So I went in and and uh, and you know I was just hanging out with them uh, a couple of weeks beforehand, just to kind of figure out where they're at and the trajectory they were on. Well, I remember one day we went in, and one of the questions that they asked somebody asked was where do you see God? And it's often, oh, 
when I go to the ocean and it's the great power of the of the ocean or the, the majesty of the mountains or the the beauty. I know you just had a, a grandchild born and you know it's the it's the smile and laughter of an infant. Uh, but for me, there's uh, uh, in the book of John, in the Gospel of John, in, in it, it, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that, of course, was written in Greek. That word, word, is logos, means an order to the universe. Hmm. And so we add it to all these sciences, biology, geology, that the logis logos, there's an order. So when I work with people and we see where they are and we determine where they want to be, just like I mentioned with my entrepreneurial uh, career, and then I see the path and how we're going to go from here to there, there's an order to the universe. And when that happens and when I'm working with somebody and that light turns on, that's where I see God. I see God in the order to the universe. Mm, so powerful. That's really good. <laughs> Man. All right. I'm going to switch it up a little because that that's getting heavy. So <laughs> your favorite, your most memorable date with your wife. Oh, most favorable, memorable. Well, I tell you, I am fortunate because coming up this August, We'll have been married 38 years. So we have had. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we've had um, many adventures, uh, many opportunities, um, raised three children, and um, so uh, have lived a lot of life. So what's the most memorable date? Well, the, the what what really comes to mind was we had an opportunity to go to Mexico. So my Grandparents were from Mexico. My grandmother grew up in a town. She was born in a town called Tepic in the state of Nayarit. And it's on the Pacific coast between Mazatlan to the north and Puerto Vallarta to the south. That's where she grew up. So we had a chance to go there to this town where my grandmother grew up. And there was a fountain there that she used to swim in when she was a little girl. And we went there. And here's these children playing around in this fountain. And my wife, who speaks no Spanish, but is an educator, uh, she taught kids all her life, is communicating with these children. I, I, I just can't. It, they didn't speak English. She didn't speak Spanish. And yet there's this communication going on. And it's in this environment that my grandmother had grew up in. That is uh, irreparable. <laughs> Right. Nice. We can never, we can never create that moment again. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, it was a, just a, a beautiful moment in our lives. Nice. So, so what has been the impact of being an author? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. So I, I, um, was telling customers, clients, you know, writing a book is a good thing. Uh, we give esteem. To, to writers and uh, and coaches and consultants, uh, uh, we rank uh, higher than minors, but lower than call center workers. <laughs> <laughs> so 
uh, doctors, nurses, architects, we give those people uh, high value in our society. But when I was reading this research and I'm like, call, uh, call center workers have more esteem than coaches and consultants. Uh, but, uh, and actually what's lower than is social media influencers. So, <laughs> um, so take, take heart in that, but we don't want to live life through comparison. Uh, right. but writing a book, uh, so I, I, I'm like, you should do this. So I, you know, lead by example, right? So 26, no, 20, 2018, I published my first book, published a follow-up to that a second book. Um, published a, a third, co-authored a uh, fourth, and then uh, this uh, this uh, this year uh, published the fourth, and that is Influence Creation of Credibility, and it is designed specifically to take people uh, like us through a, a, a 12-week process to publish a book, online course, and webinar, 12 weeks or less. And so in the book, there's all the steps, everything you need to go through. And there's hot links in there that take you to a free course that you can sign up for. And it'll take you through, uh, it gives you the outline for writing a book, uh, for your webinar, uh, for the course. And then you get weekly emails from me for 12 weeks that uh, celebrate last week's success and set you up for the work for this coming week. I also have a, a paid mastermind, which, uh, Robert, I'm giving you a code so all of your listeners can get a discount, significant discount nice. uh, on, the, on the paid mastermind. But um, there is nothing better, and I know you know this because you are a published author. Um, it's, it, there's, some, there's esteem that goes with that. When I published that first book, I was down at the local coffee shop and uh, I started talking to some guy and then he was asking me what I was involved in. I told him I had just released this book and I said, I released a book on Amazon. I didn't say I published it. I didn't say, and he goes, Oh, you're an author. And, and it took me back. I was just like, um, yeah, I am. <laughs> now, one of the people that I've taken through the course, uh, just published and she got the same thing. Someone on, on LinkedIn said, basically putting her up on a pedestal saying, I didn't realize you were an author, right? I mean, this is like, this is so cool. I know somebody who's published. And so, that, and, and that's really why I wanted to put this together is because um, when you're a coach, when you're a consultant, um, and you don't have a huge reputation, you're not Seth Godin walking into the room, uh, you're not Malcolm Gladwell walking into the room. You're not Tony Robbins walking into the room. Uh, we need some sort of uh, validation. And just by publishing a book, by saying, yeah, my book is available on Amazon. That's a, that's, it's a huge step in your influence and your credibility. Absolutely. So let's take it a step further and talk about the impact of, of being a podcaster and, and creating, um, mm. you, you're creating like a network of podcasts, <laughs> all, the, <laughs> all the broadcasts that you're involved with now. It's, um, yeah, it, it's, I'm fortunate. It's, um, uh, doing the audio podcast. I started an audio podcast for the same reason 
was I'm telling customers, this is a good way to get messages out. Well, I still like audio podcasts, but live video, live streaming video specifically um, on multiple platforms has been fantastic. And because of COVID, more people are used to it now and they're looking for content. And so um, I do the experience live with Russ and Scott uh, every Wednesday. So Russ Hedge and I, and I know he's been on your show. We, um, we do that uh, together. I um, am part of the, uh, with Alan Hennessy, he and I co-founded the Virtual Global Tea Break, which is uh, international networking. We, it's, uh, we're in our third year now. And then uh, I produce some other shows and online fundraisers. I am involved in two right now. One of them actually is going to be a multi-location hybrid event. So we'll be broadcasting from two separate locations and online all at the same time. Wow. And uh, it's just fantastic. Well, and I think the real power in podcasting is that it it creates opportunities for more relationships absolutely that that wouldn't you know i couldn't call up bob berg and say hey i want you to talk to my my you know mastermind <laughs> group for an hour right i oh, couldn't my call word. him up and say hey bob you know can you and i have a conversation for an hour mm-hmm. right but i called him up and asked him hey would you be on my podcast Absolutely. So Isn't that I great? Hour talking to him and, and asking all the questions that my group would ask or that I would ask her. And <laughs> That's right. It, and it's it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's even more powerful is that at the end of my conversation, I said, you know, Bob, at the end of every show, I, I ask this as question typically after I turn the recording off. But who do you know that I need to know that would be a, a great mm-hmm. guest on my show? Mm hmm. And every single guest introduces me to two or three of their really cool entrepreneurial friends. And so I meet a whole nother level of entrepreneurial friends. Mm-hmm. And every one of them says, oh, I'd love to get on a podcast and have a conversation. Right. And so that's how you and I met. And that's how Russ and I met. And now mm-hmm. you and Russ and I are having multiple conversations on multiple <laughs> platforms. And and that's, that's pretty so amazing. <laughs> You know, and this goes back to what we talked about in networking, saying you already have a fabulous network filled with people who want you to succeed. Mm. That's such they a just great attitude. Know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only that's that's part one of a, a really great attitude and, and take it a step further and believe that God really wants you to succeed. So mm-hmm. you've got God that really wants you to succeed and you've got this network of people that really want you to succeed. How that's a lot of power on your side. Absolutely. (laughs) And why wouldn't you tap into it? Yeah, exactly. Take Mm -hmm. advantage of it and use it. That's not not use it for the sake of abuse or or mean or but actually use it to be empowered. Mm -hmm. You were created for this. God created you for something great to impact the world. And he's created these relationships around you. He's put all the right people in place to impact you and, and make you more powerful. Yep. Yep. Whew, that is awesome. I love it, man. I just we are we are created for greatness, and mm-hmm. why not tap into it and release it to the world? If God gave it to you and He's put the right people around you, there's a reason 
He wants you to impact people's lives. There's people that need to hear your story. They need to hear your voice. They need to hear your advice. They need your expertise. And if you bottle it up and hide it, you're doing a disservice to the world, a disservice to yourself, and a disservice to God. Mm -hmm. You know, it was uh, Red Skelton, the uh, comedian from many years ago. You probably remember Just a Red couple. Skelton. I do. That's right. <laughs> he said, he said, and, and I have quoted him so many times. He said, if you have any talent, that is your gift from God. If you use that talent, that's your gift to God. Mm. So good. Absolutely. So let's talk about routines. Mm -hmm. How do you use routines to, to help you and grow your business? Well, I tell you, that was, uh, that, that's what uh, COVID hurt so many people is because uh, routines, and, and I want to differentiate between routines and habits, mm -hmm. you know. So, so habits are things that we do based on a trigger. Some sort of a thing happens, and then we it, it triggers a habit. But routines are things that you do basically at the same time in the same order at the same time every day. The, the most simple thing is to think about brushing your teeth. How many people... Uh, lay in bed and then they realize I didn't brush my teeth and they get up and they brush their teeth, right? But it's just, it's brush your teeth and get into bed, right? I mean, it's just that it's, we do it at the same time and it's a, it's a routine. It's a part of our, uh, a part of our makeup. Well, COVID broke that up for a lot of people. Now for me, I had already been working at home. I'd already been working out of the office or out of my home office. And so uh, COVID only made my world more efficient. <laughs> because now everyone knows about Zoom. So that's, uh, um, but for me, it's, um, well, I'm, I was thinking about uh, morning, morning routine. There was a friend of mine that posted on Facebook, I need an aggressive alarm clock. Well, he got lots of, lots of uh, suggestions with bells and buzzers and lights and all this stuff, right? right? Uh, my response to him was, um, you need an alarm clock that makes you go to bed seven to eight hours before you want to get up. Yeah. <laughs> I I won't talk about morning routines until you talk about a sleep routine. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't if you don't put yourself to sleep, you'll never you'll never wake yourself up. That's right. Yeah. So I um I uh, um try to try to have some sort of even on the weekends, right? It's just uh it should be a seven day a week type routine, right? And it, it really does, as you say, start when you go to bed. And uh, and from there, then it's, you know, how do you get up in the, you know, what do you do when you get up in the morning? And so, you know, I've got kind of my routine to get up in the morning and um, I make coffee and I um, read the Bible and um, that just kind of gets me set for the day. Um, and one of the, one of the keys about reading, and this came out of one of the guys from my mastermind, uh, Curtis Honeycutt said, it's not just about reading. It's about reading that word, thinking what action is God asking me to do today mm. based on what I'm reading, not just reading for information, but, but this is an instruction manual, right? As you said, it's <laughs> love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, right? So body, mind, spirit. And then um, also love your neighbor as yourself. So there's instruction. There's action that goes with that. 
So um, read that word and think, okay, what am I going to do today? Um, but the night before, I did look and see, what do I have coming up? What do I need to be prepared for? And so I kind of know what my day is. Um, a number of years ago, by the way, uh, Google Calendar let me down. Uh-oh. Phone rings. Hey, Scott, this is Robert. I thought we were meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went back to a paper planner. Uh, there was nothing on the market that I liked. I've used them all. Franklin Planner for 10 years, Time Systems, uh, Day Runner. I've used the write your own kind of a thing out. Didn't work. Um, I did create my own planner, the independent planner, uh, independent-planner.com. There's a plug for you. Um, uh, but it starts with this page right here. And uh, I know it won't come through on the audio podcast, but uh, dreams, goals, and plans. And so uh, like if you want to write a book, that's too big to be a goal. It's a dream. But you break it down into the steps that you need to do to accomplish it. Then you break those steps down into goals. And then here's the key. Look at what habits support you and what habits inhibit you. And so if you say, I am going to get up every morning and write for 30 minutes, but your habit is to stay up till midnight or one o'clock in the morning watching YouTube videos, and then you, you hit snooze five times and you get out of bed at the last possible moment, your habits are inhibiting you. You Absolutely. need to change. You either need to change your goal or you need to change your habits. Um, but there's some habits that support you, right? You know, this is like, well, I'm an early riser. I get up. It's quiet. I can get these things done. I can, I can exercise. I can do these things, right? And so, but having routines, things that you do at the same time in the same order every day, and then having those habits that are supporting your goals. And so you have to understand what those goals are and then realize uh, 1440 is an important number. That's the number of minutes in every day. And it turns out there are no rollover minutes. <laughs> Right. So if I if I don't use well, I use every minute. I use 1440 minutes every day. Maybe not to the best and highest use, but it does but the ones that I don't use, they don't roll over to the next day. Hmm. So everything that you take on means there's something else that you're not doing. There you go. That's pretty powerful. I like it. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about play and fun mm -hmm. and the role that play and fun has had in your life. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you can see over my shoulder, there's a guitar. I've got another one right here next to me that I can grab and play. Um, uh, there's a, a creativity, ex an expression of creativity in your play. And um, we can think about children in that five to seven years old is when they stop being dancers, singers, artists, right? Because every child before that is a, is uh, free with their expression, right? So they did test with jazz musicians because jazz uh, improvisation is a huge part of it, the creativity of that. Uh, they put them in an MRI. They looked at them when they were doing their improvisation over uh, playing by 
um, uh, just playing the music note for note. And it wasn't what was active in their brain while they were improvising. It was what was suppressed that is interesting. Wow. And basically, um, the part of the brain that was suppressed when they were being creative, when they were uh, expressing uh, the music through improvisation, was the part basically that says, I care what other people think. Oh. Wow. So a child at five to seven years old, all of a sudden becomes self-aware and they worry about what other people think. And that's what, that's what stopped their, their expression of creativity. So, um, finding a way for me, music, I love to play. Um, I, I got a, a guitar that I could travel with specifically when I was traveling more, uh, I would go to local blues jams and would get involved because, um, when you get off work, everyone there uh, is going home to their family five, six o'clock at night. I could go back to the hotel room and watch TV, or I could go to a local blues jam. Mm -hmm. So like in San Diego, I'd be there for five nights. I could play four. Nice. And so uh, part of it is, is your play is the opportunity to express creativity, which will flow over into everything else that you do. Love that. Love that. So getting close here. Um, what's your big dream, Scott? <laughs> uh, well, it's funny. I was just talking about this with some guys in my mastermind. Uh, um, there was uh, uh, when my mother, uh, my, my mother was a great inspiration of my life. Uh, never took one college class and yet was a huge leader in our community. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that she said to me before she died was, uh, touch the pyramids for me. And so for me, that big dream, and this is something that my wife and I are, are you know, looking at the, now that we're becoming empty nesters, um, when do we travel and touch the pyramids? And I'm a huge fan of history. And so it's not necessarily the pyramids themselves, but, um, you know, when the Israelites came into Egypt, um, the pyramids were already old. The people who made them were gone and forgotten. And, and uh, so there's something about the longevity of that history and walking in the same paths where so many people that I admire through history have passed. So nice. my dream are those uh, are are to be in those areas and to witness the same things that these people witnessed in a way. In a way, I like it. That's pretty fantastic. All right, you spent an hour having coffee with a young entrepreneur, and you want to leave <laughs> him with Scott's words of wisdom. What would you share? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um. Man, and I and I tell you, just sitting down with with those folks in the uh, Young Entrepreneurs Business Week, I was just um, this uh, last uh, uh, last fall was a was a judge for a business competition with the local school of business at the university, and um, the the thing that I remind the students about is is that you get to decide what you're going to do that the education system when i grew up said be an employee now 
a big thing right now is entrepreneurship, right? It's very popular. Shark Tank and shows like that popularize entrepreneurism. And it's wonderful for people that are designed for that. Not everyone should go into corporate. Not everyone should go into nonprofits. Not everyone should be an entrepreneur. And so my advice is follow what is right for you at this time. Nice. Scott, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and having a great conversation. I learned a, I learned a bunch and I appreciate what you were willing to share with our audience and just uh, look forward to collaborating. Uh, absolutely, Robert. It's just such a privilege and an honor to be with you here on your podcast. And uh, I'm hoping that I was able to add value today. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Maria Cast and Robert have a discussion about mindset and the typical issues holding many people back. They are caught in the past and things beyond their control. Maria shares her own life story and what she's had to let go of in order to experience success. She's tapped into the John Maxwell leadership and loves coaching others to the life they've always dreamed of.